0: I lost all my photos in 2017, which was absolutely horrific. It was like an iPhone, new iPhone transfer tragedy. Yes. I had no backup. Oh, no. And so I lost all the photos of everything, all the kids, everything. Oh, no. Um, it was heartbreaking. And I was like sick to my stomach for like three days. And then I sort of got over it. And now I have a photo, a, a camera yeah. roll that has you know 7,000 friggin' photos in it. And I cannot let go of any of them. And some of it is like um, not having the tools, but a lot of it is emotional. Like I'm just...
1: You need to talk to your therapist about that one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to How To, I'm Courtney Martin.
0: And I'm Carvel Wallace.
2: Now Carvel, before we start the show today, there's something I want to play for you. Okay. I love Polaroid cameras. Because they put memories into little pieces of paper.
0: <laughs> <What the? laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you raising like a 16th century poet? Like what, what is happening right there?
2: <laughs> okay, so that is my older daughter, Maya, who is nine. Mm-hmm. And then I've got Stella, who is an exuberant seven.
0: Uh-huh. And
2: I asked them for some advice about our topic today.
0: Oh my goodness. That, what a great idea.
2: Today we were talking on the podcast about how you decide what to keep from your kids' stuff or give away, and how hard it is for grown-ups to know what to keep. Do you have any advice for people?
0: Um, so think
2: of what your kid's playing with most, and then when they're not playing with, just sell it, um, give it away, but if they really like it, keep it.
0: Yeah, I would say that was pretty accurate. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I have no arguments with that airtight philosophy.
2: It's pretty logical for a profoundly illogical child, I have to say. But you'll hear more about this. Um, now, Maya, Maya also, the older one, got very uh-huh. excited that okay. there is a profession called professional organizer. She was like oh. shocked by this and, oh, and even that. had the gall to say that she would like to do this job so she could organize her various little collections. You like, Organizing gems and rocks. And other things. Like what? Makeup, earrings, jean jackets, pencils, pens, tape, more pencils. You're sure that older Maya will be invested in it? Because it has
0: dates, I want to keep it.
2: Okay. Anything else you think people should know?
0: Cats are adorable. Perfect. <laughs> Cats are adorable, uh, and that is something you should keep for the rest of your life. Um, You put that in the archives. Okay, so as parents, we all want the best for our kids, of course, and that includes the best preserved version of their childhoods. So today, we're gonna be joined by someone who does that for a living, a professional organizer.
1: I'm Nona Striscoll and I run two organizing teams in Southern California, and we just try to help people's lives be a little easier by dealing with their clutter and getting them a little more organized.
0: Um, full disclosure, Nonus and I know each other from the early 2000s, which was a million years ago when our families were part of a babysitting co-op in our neighborhood in Los Angeles. We took care of each other's kids and we hung out a lot and we partied together a lot, uh, like new parent partying. And back then she was in a different line of work, but her gift for organizing was, at least to me and all of us who went to our house, it was pretty clear to us back then that She was really good at this. And it's really impressive when you consider that, like me, she had small kids.
1: Well, my mom was a kindergarten teacher, and so she kind of raised us like it was a kindergarten, I think. We had the places for everything, and that's how kindergarten runs. Like, imagine if at the end of the day she's just like, "Ah, everybody just go home. No, we can't. we got to do cleanup time, and everything goes back and hang it on the right peg.
2: So she helps people organize stuff, including the unfortunate job of helping small children organize stuff. And in my experience, small children generate so much crap.
0: They generate so much crap. So that's why we're here on today's show. We're going to ask Nonis about what to do with all that as Courtney calls it, crap, which is created by the people that you love most in the world, your kids. And we're going to find out how to make those tough decisions about what stays and what goes. And we'll talk about the clutter and how that clutter makes us feel as parents. And we'll come to terms with the fact that archiving your kid's childhood feels really important to most of us, but it can actually get in the way of you saving the very best stuff.
2: Oh man, this is, this is a deep one. Don't go anywhere.
0: Okay, so Courtney, I'm gonna let you in on something. Uh, so I told you earlier that we met each other because we were in the same childcare co-op when our kids were little. Right. Um, but one of the other parents in that co-op is actually the one responsible for Nonus becoming a professional organizer.
1: It was Jessica Garrison, who's a mutual friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember this about her, but she was very disorganized.
0: I remember this vividly yeah. about her. <laughs> Shout out Jessica Garrison.
1: And she was just, she's just so good at being a reporter for the los angeles times she did not have any any brain power to be decluttering her house mm-hmm. so when i would go over there to babysit in the co-op um i would just organize her stuff just reflexively. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, Nonis, you need to get paid for this. This is a career and you should be doing (laughs) it. So that's how it started. But the truth is everybody needs us. Everybody needs a professional organizer, even if they're organized at some point in their life, everyone needs it.
0: So what do you like about it? And what do you Mm -hmm. find is challenging about doing this work?
1: I've learned that clutter is very emotional and Mm. it's usually not about the things that you're looking at. It's about the backstory about their own parents about how much money they had growing up about Mm. what their husband thinks they should be doing while he's at work you know it's just so much stuff that's so hard to pinpoint and you have to kind of get to that as fast as you can so that you can help them and then the good part is when we leave people are generally gobsmacked with gratitude Mm -hmm. so it's really pretty great
2: how many of the consultations involve tears yeah (laughs) i feel like it's all so deep
1: yeah 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 when we're working at a session let me think of a percentage 10% maybe but there are definitely tears and that's always surprising when i'm interviewing people who want to work on our team like this isn't about pinterest or instagram Mm -hmm. there will be swearing there will be crying there will be cat puke Mm. <laughs> there will be dirty underwear <laughs> and there will be lifting up and down stairs and mm. there will be crying yes
0: <laughs> do you use any systems like i mean i know that like other people who are organizers are always branding systems and selling them and like selling books about them and stuff do you have like a system that you start with or work with
1: yeah no systems at all that That just sounds horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Like for a while, your kids go through phases. Like for a while, we just put everything on hooks. I just put hooks Mm -hmm. all around Mm -hmm. their room and they could just Mm -hmm. hang their clothes on hooks because there's no way they were folding anything. Mm -hmm. And then it got to be where, and some adults are still like this. They're never going to fold their clothes. Yeah. And that's fine. And so we just have a drawer of t-shirts and the t-shirt, they just kind of lay them in there. They don't ball them up and throw them in there, but just kind of like shake them and lay them in there. And that's where your t-shirts are. Yeah. That's better than the floor. And so then their partner was happy because they don't have to look at the t-shirts on the floor, but nobody has to fold any t-shirts. So it's Mm -hmm. a (laughs) win-win, you know, things like that. So no systems, Mm -hmm. no.
0: But your general philosophy is kind of like a place for everything and everything in its place, basically kind of
1: yeah that sounds so it sounds so anal it does it does it sound does. kind of
0: aggressive <laughs> I <think but> <laughs>
1: a, one i like a lot that i say all the time is put this where you're going to use it that's oh, a little that's more good. helpful than everything in its place you know like put it where you're going to use it That's good. put it where it goes uh-huh. but that is it's just a nicer way to say everything in its place
2: <laughs> i have to say i am so relieved by your answer Nonas. like i think As is the case with all parenting, the notion that I don't have like some perfect system and like a carefully thought out philosophy and a regular pattern of enacting the system, like the rest of it, like we'll figure out along the way, but it just gives me a little bit of peace of mind that, you know, I'm not like deeply flawed as a parent because I don't have some perfect system. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Kids do love um, a little bit of structure and they do, you know, everyone thrives well when there's a little less clutter. Mm. and that's the end
0: of the speech Wow! that's all I'm going to say about that I like that (laughs) Mm -hmm. bite sized and manageable
2: so relieved
0: okay so let's talk about this the particular question that sort of brought all this up which is this question of what to do with all of your kids stuff as they age And we know that kids are bringing home all kinds of things and look, I made this drawing and we did this thing and I wrote this paper and we made this like diorama and whatever it is. And um, as a parent, you're always confronted, whether it's at the end of the year, the end of the semester, or, you know, as they enter high school with what to do with all this stuff that you've said, oh, this is so great. And you put it on the fridge and you frame some of it, but there's more than you could ever deal with. Part of the reason that we wanted to do this conversation is because Courtney and I are both parents at different points in our parenting. My children are out of the house, technically, although they're not out of my wallet or bank account. They're definitely out of the house. (laughs) Courtney, do you want to talk a little bit about like where you're at right now? Like what's coming up for you lately?
2: Yes, I would love to. I have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old, two daughters, and they produce so much (laughs) stuff. And in their two tiny bedrooms, there's just massive amounts of things everywhere. And I think one of the fundamental pieces for me is, you know, is that my business? Part of me wants to just like shut the door and be like, I should stay in my lane, keep my room clean, you deal with your room. But when I do try to participate in the decluttering, participate in the potential archiving of things, I run up against some quite deep questions around like, what matters to me versus what matters to them? Um, So I would just love advice on all these things. And I'm so grateful also that, you know, you two are a little further along in the journey. So you have some perspective on what older kids actually care about.
0: Mm.
1: It's interesting, uh, Courtney, that your kids are seven and nine because around seven is right when I say, okay, then we need to work with the child and not you Mm. in their room.
2: I love that. And then what, what kinds of questions do you ask the kid?
1: Do you like this? When's the last time you played with this? I mean, they just don't care. They're like, it cost $200? Who cares? I don't like it. You know, my Aunt Betty gave it to me. Who cares? I don't like it. You know, all the baggage that the adult clients are bringing to me, the kids just don't have it. By the time they get to be like eight or nine, you can kind of tell, and especially 10. But as far as the parents go, I find that harder because Uh the parents feel so guilty throwing away anything. Or they just think it's so precious and it's so hard to see their 12-year-old now and look at this 4-year-old drawing and they miss the 4-year-old. Think about when you moved out of your parents' house, how much of your artwork did you take with you? (laughs) And that is generally zero. (laughs) Sobering. Sobering. (laughs) The other questions are, um, has your child ever noticed that you've thrown something away and been upset? Because if they've never noticed, go for it. You can do whatever you want. And then the other one is, think about how long it took your child to to work on this. And this is especially true in preschool and kindergarten. Because first of all, a lot of that artwork, the teacher did it. And the kid just put a (laughs) handprint. You know what I mean? And then they draw the turkey around it. And I'm like, this is the teacher's art. It's not your kid's art. And then second of all is if it's just a scribble on a paper. That's great. Let's just keep one of those from when they were two and one when they were three, so that if they do grow up and become a famous multimedia artist, you have this progression of mm-hmm. how they <laughs> how they got better
2: <laughs> that feels really important, on that representative lens, because I've really seen that in my kids. They're like these seasons of either artistic output or like how their handwriting looks or how they're writing stories. And I love the idea of kind of like noting that on some chill level and then like making sure you've got something from those different seasons, but throwing away the rest without guilt.
0: Yeah. Well, the one technique that I used was they were probably in like third and fifth grade, somewhere around there. And I, I went to the art store and I bought portfolios, like art portfolios, like as if they were, you know, like submitting mm-hmm. to go to like a conservatory. And I basically just like along this line of representation of eras i basically just took one picture from each era so like here's one first grade drawing that was kind of cool and this goes in the archives it's like i was curating like a retrospective (laughs) you know what i mean perfect and uh and i did throw away a bunch of stuff and it was a little scary and then at the end like in high school they both got their little portfolios and they just they got to do whatever they want with them but the idea is that because they were too little to sort of like select what was or wasn't valuable, my job was to do my best guess and then give it to them to decide what to do with in the long run.
2: It's beautiful. It is.
1: And the same is true for their items because you know, I have a couple little items like Zane's favorite little pair of three-year-old cowboy boots that he wore (laughs) everywhere for months. (laughs) And I kept those boots, but I have a specific container And this is how much stuff I get to keep from there, zero to 18. You don't have to be that strict, but that's just what I decided to do. And so I know he doesn't care that I save those cowboy boots, but I saved them for me. Yeah. So it's fine.
2: I have a a complicating question, which is connected to a story notice. So when I was in college, my mom and I used to email constantly because I grew up in Colorado Springs, like fairly small town, went to New York City for college and I was totally wide eyed and overwhelmed at first. And so she and I would like constantly email. It was the very beginning of email. And when I was done with college, my mom handed me this giant box filled with printouts of every email we had sent one another, I think it was during the first year, if I remember correctly, and I was horrified. I was like, mom, this is not how email works. You have no (laughs) understanding. This is like such a weird thing to do. Well, fast forward, you know, 20 years, and I could not be more grateful that she had, had done this because, you know, my Lexus, barnard.edu account who knows like where that exists in the ether of the internet it's probably just doesn't exist and yet i have this you know document of one of the most pivotal you know forks in the road of my entire life that i can hold in my hand and, and revisit and read um so two questions related to this one is Sometimes I get that we can ask our kids, but on the other hand, our kids are making decisions, like, as themselves now, not as their future selves. So I think sometimes, like, they couldn't possibly understand the value of a thing just because of, the, like, the nature of of childhood. And so I'm curious about that. Like, I want to give my kids agency. On the other hand, I think there's a lot they don't know about who they're going to be and what they might value. And then the second thing is this whopper of a question, but about, like, physical, the physical world versus the digital world and like as we're thinking about helping our kids remember who they are and how they became who they are a lot of my instincts are like my mom's now or that that things should be physical and that that's going to last longer but on the other hand I'm sort of like maybe that's incredibly naive and digital um artifacts are more important I'm so jealous
1: of you because I had the same experience writing to my parents when I was first a flight attendant and I told them all the crazy stories because I had to write them down because they were crazy. And now I have no way to get those emails because
2: I want to read those
1: emails. Um, so good for you. Good for your mom. Yay. Courtney's mom. Um, I think that the part about kids making decisions because they essentially don't have perspective is what you're kind of saying. They don't know. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's, I mean, and I feel like I don't know what I'll be like at 60, right? right? I'm 43 now. It's like, what will I care about at 63? I don't know. You know, it's very hard to make a decision for your future self.
1: Right. But in that case, it's the same thing, like I was saying about saving Zane's cowboy boots. Like, if there's something that you know they were really into, keep them for yourself because you know what the kid was into. And so you you can kind of curate those things, even if the kid is like, no, I don't need that. And if you find yourself being like trying to convince them, keep it, keep it, keep it, then you just keep it for you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I you also know? like – no, no, so you're making me realize like embarrassment – and maybe this goes back to our shame – our shame beginnings but embarrassment is not a good place from which to honor a kid's yes or no (laughs) or our own yes or no right that like like embarrassment is like a key part of growing up and becoming someone else and like so if we hear our kid answering from that place you know take that with a grain of salt and use our own wisdom about what might be important to them later yeah Very, very true
0: well, I also love this distinction between what you're saving and what your kid is saving. Like, I mean, because I think mm-hmm. that's actually the reason that this is a hard topic, right? It's like we're mm-hmm. saving our kids artwork, but for a while we're saving it. And then at a certain point they're saving it. And I think it's, it gets a little messy in there. Like the thing that I described that I did with my kids, I sort of, it only started working once I realized, oh, I'm, I'm saving this. Like I might be saving it. They might mm-hmm. benefit from it, but I'm the one saving these works of art this is the stuff that means stuff to me so effectively i am the saver in this context
1: yeah it's like those pictures you know how everybody has a picture of their kid throwing a tantrum at least one (laughs) (laughs) and that's such a great picture yeah but at the time i mean if that kid could talk no way is that picture getting taken but thank god you have a couple of those Mm.
2: Those pictures really should go into that portfolio that Carvel was talking about, along with all the unidentifiable sculptures. Mm -hmm. What the heck is that? Hand-drawn turkeys (laughs) and origami swans.
0: Okay, but what if that picture is a digital image rather than a physical image? Okay, if, if that's the case, then you need to think about how to store it. And as for the thousands of other images that you probably have of your kids, It's probably time to put on your curator hat, and we're going to hear more about preserving your child's digital life after this break.
2: We're back. I'm Courtney Martin here with Carvel Wallace. We're talking about strategies for archiving all the things that kids generate during childhood.
0: Yep. And our guest is Nona's Driscoll, a professional organizer based in Southern California. When you're preserving your child's early years, you have a couple of options. You could stay in the physical realm or you could go digital. And Nona's has some thoughts.
1: I think you need some physical things and I think you definitely are going to need some digital things. I think a little bit of both is great. I love how you can make physical books from digital photos. Mm-hmm. You can do that. In so many ways, you can start like a Substack is the is a new thing. Like, and you can upload little stories or just great pictures and only share your Substack with yourself or with your parents, or whoever. And then you have that kind of like a digital scrapbook forever and ever. Um, Every now and then, when we get a really good picture, I do uh, print order a print. Mm-hmm. And people who have artistic children, when I'm working with them as their organizer. We have this issue, especially with 3D art, and sometimes we take like a video, and sometimes we take a picture, and you can kind of make a YouTube compilation. I've used Fiverr for that and um, recommended people do that because I'm not a video editor. It takes so long, but if I have a group of photos with some videos mixed in and I want it to be a nice video, then I just have them edit it and upload it to YouTube, and there it is forever.
0: They're 3D art. Oh, and we should say, in case you have not been in a desperate search to find a video editor before, that Fiverr is an online platform for finding freelancers. Okay, so, Nonus, is there a risk of saving, like, too much stuff? Like, do you find yourself trying to convince people not to save things?
1: I. Try. I like to be hired back. We like to have repeat business. (laughs) So I try to piss people off. So if you can see them really digging their heels in, I'm like, great, let's keep all of it. Let's Uh, figure out how to keep all of it. But here's what the main thing I want to say from your question is that every time I go through my boxes of memorabilia and my kids, but especially my own, every time I can let go of a little more, Mm -hmm. like every time I go through, I'm like, who was that guy? that wrote mm-hmm. me these letters you know, <laughs> or, whatever. or yeah. like, Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't talk to this friend anymore. And that was great. But now I think I can just keep this one picture of us at graduation. So as far as memorabilia goes, I think you could, as long as you have the space can err on the side of saving a little bit more and just go through it. It's so fun to go through those boxes too. It's when you're in the holidays, when you're not working or during the pandemic was an awesome time to do that. Mm-hmm.
2: It actually reminds me, Carvel, this may be a metaphor that you and I would uniquely be into, but of writing, good Mm -hmm. editing after Mm -hmm. you've written something where like Mm -hmm. at first you want to keep all your darlings and then you give it, you know, Mm -hmm. if you can, a couple weeks or a month or whatever time you have away from your writing and then you come back to it and you're like, oh, actually I can... Get rid of you just of like, that block and,
0: deleting entire paragraphs that you thought yeah. were so important, and then you're like, "Wait, this piece didn't need any of that." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. So, like,
2: I can imagine that one technique that would work well for me is to like save things along the way, but then periodically, like you're saying, Nona's maybe like once a year, I just like look through what I've saved and cut that by half again. Yeah, and that probably by the end of you know childhood, by the end of this this beautiful 18 year journey I'm on, that like. I would think, oh, that this was right. Like this was the right amount of stuff to save. I think with all kinds of
1: organizing, it depends on your personality type and how you do it. Some people like to do a little every day, and some people like to do a big chunk on the weekends. You know, when they're doing their physical clutter, and I think the same is true with digital clutter. Mm. Uh, going through all your digital photos, like I do, think you can keep too many digital photos because you just get so overwhelmed looking at thousands of pictures on your phone. And then, God forbid, your phone goes out. Hopefully, everything is backed up these Mm, days. mm -hmm. But instead of winding down at night looking at Instagram, you can wind down looking at your own photos and kind of editing them. Mm. Because you probably have five of the same pose. Just pick the best one and do that. But like any good decluttering project, staying on top of it is the key, it's not a a easy, fast thing to do decluttering. So you have to figure out if your personality likes to do little chunks or big chunks and do that.
0: Here's a way that it feels complicated for me because my personality would like everything to be done with the snap of a finger. I would like to just snap my fingers and then, or if it's not a snap of a finger, I would like to have just one superhero session where I just burst it out and I can make my life completely organized. But then the size of that project is so overwhelming that I'm like, or I'll just scroll Instagram. So then I scroll (laughs) Instagram for like an hour and then it's time for bed. So my personality does want to do it all in one fell swoop, but I don't know if my body agrees, (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Yeah. What is your advice to people who are intimidated by the size of the project?
1: Yeah, there are a couple tricks. One of them that works for most people is a timer. Mm. You just you just say, I'm just going to set this timer for 10 minutes. I only have to do this for 10 minutes. And then once the timer goes off, you're probably okay to keep going. But just to kind of trick yourself to get started, the timer works really well. And then this is for people who are more type A, I guess, is to schedule it on your calendar. You know, put a mm-hmm. remind a reminder that's time sensitive, like every Monday night. I'm going to go through my photos Mm -hmm. from the past week. And some Mondays you miss, but you know that on Monday night when I'm falling asleep, that's what I'm doing.
2: One other thing I wanted to say is I think we're talking about this in like a very individual way. Um, And I think a lot about giving my kids a sense of their community that surrounds them. And in some ways that's like a piece of the archival project for me is helping them remember who surrounded them as they grew up, like all these adopted aunties and uncles and neighbors and friends. And so, one thing we do is we do print out a kind of unusual amount of pictures. We have like a little um, breakfast table and we have this drawer, and the drawer is filled with pictures, most of them of friends and like moments when we've been with our friends and that kind of thing. And then we have these whiteboards right next to the kitchen table and with magnets, and we just like constantly cycle through different pictures, putting them up there so that the girls just have this sense of, like, all the people that love them, including, you know, their family in Wisconsin and um, people who have moved away and, like, that kind of thing. And right now we're doing a good job of making it just, like, this active part of, like, when we're sitting at the table, we can, like, look at people we love. But I, you're inspiring me to think a little bit more about how I might continue to kind of archive their communities and, like, their social worlds. That
1: is beautiful. Oh, I love that. I feel like... I want my kids back. I want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Another good trick that you might like, Courtney, because now I'm trying to have a grown-up lady house, right? And so most of the stuff on the walls is art instead of family photos. I have family photos in little groups. But I have the quirky photos of, like, my daughter smoking a candy cigarette, and that's inside my medicine cabinet. Like, I have them in my drawers when I go get a pair of pants.
0: There's Mm -hmm. a picture
1: of baby... And in there so that I'm still seeing these pictures but they're not on display for everybody
0: I love that I love that yeah
2: Carvel is there anything you wish you had done that you didn't do (laughs) oh no Now we're crying now we're gonna cry
0: (laughs) yes there's so much I wish I had done oh you're talking about archiving yeah no (laughs) um I mean I've never been an organized person I've always done what I do through the harnessing of chaos my writing works that way like everything i do just works that way and i ever since i was a little kid i've been aware that that is something that i was dealing with when when it comes to the archiving and stuff i feel like i wish i had been more of a pinterest parent like i wish that i had everything was more perfect and i like see all these i remember even feeling that known as like coming over to your place like uh when you lived at the top of the hill like i just would feel like god their house is so organized like me and Joe would be like, we should our house should be like this. But then we'd be like, But we're not we're not like this. I feel like it was the kids turned out great, I should say, by the way. And and I, I'm not <laughs> saying that to be funny, like I really honestly they were over here the other night for dinner, both of them, adults, 18 and 20 now, and I was sitting here thinking, God, these have turned out to be truly wonderful human beings, both of them. Mm-hmm. So perhaps whatever we and and they're like really good friends with each other you know and like they care about each other a lot and they support each other and so i'm like okay well clearly whatever we were doing worked in -hmm. in like the most important sense of like making human beings for the world
2: yeah when i hear you say that from this side of the parenting journey i'm like oh my gosh like that's the holy grail like all i Mm -hmm. care about is that my kids like each other and support each other and that they're like you know, comfortable in the world and doing cool shit that they love. You know, it's just like, you did it. Yeah. You don't have to regret anything. I but
0: I do feel like um, I wish that I had been more organized in some way, but I don't exactly know what that way is or why I have that lingering feeling. And maybe, maybe that's just a lingering thing from my childhood, like a lingering feeling of like being less than that I just like developed when I was a child that I just carry with me all the time.
1: I think if you had been more concerned about being organized, it would have been a disservice to your kids because what you have taught them is to be themselves because you were yourself. Mm. And so if you had been running around like, I'm trying to get this house to look like Noni's house, um, (laughs) then you should have just sent them to live with me. You know, like, (laughs) then they wouldn't have had the benefit of seeing you be yourself and struggle because they're probably going to struggle with the same thing. And now, Yeah. Th- and they know it, so.
0: Yeah, I can already see some of it now that they have their, own, their yeah. own living arrangements.
1: So that also brings me back to Courtney a little bit. At the beginning, you were talking about your daughter's rooms, and should you intervene, and how much is it your room? Okay, well, this is a little tricky because even in couples, there's different thoughts about this because one partner might think, this is my house, I'm paying for this house. Mm-hmm. So we need to keep it up to my standards. Mm-hmm. And then the other partner might think, but it's their room, this is the only space that they have that's all theirs. And then if their room is you know, hazardous or whatever, you definitely have to teach them how to periodically declutter things because they're growing so fast, their interest, interests are changing so fast. And so you definitely do have to teach them that skill, and one or other of them will probably be a natural, and the other one will probably be (laughs) a Carvel, (laughs) and that's fine, and that's really great. But like just making it fun and not passing on the shame is Mm -hmm. the most important thing, right? I also think it's important to kind of model just safety and a little bit of organization because some people's houses are just utter chaos, and mm. I just think that's a little bit of mm-hmm. a disservice to the kids. It's good to get in their room every now and then and just do a little tidying with them or without them, whatever. It depends on their personality. Because you know how, like, if you eat spicy food growing up, then you're going to like spicy food. The mm-hmm. Same way, like, if your house was generally pretty neat, then when you go out and have roommates, you're going to be like, Okay, I got to figure out how to keep this a little bit more in check for my roommates or mm-hmm. whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, so relieved!
0: It's been so great to talk to you, Nona. I just yeah. I've been smiling the entire time. I love hearing your voice. And yeah, um,
1: same.
2: Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thank you. So nice to meet you,
2: Courtney. Yeah, Nonis, you're so great. Thanks. I really meant what I said, it's like such a relief. I feel like I can like wander upstairs now and like Mm -hmm. just be a person next to these terrible rooms. Although I am gonna declutter a little. (laughs) Do it for you. Yeah, I'll do it for me.
0: All right. Thanks again to Nonis Driscoll for all of her guidance and advice. You can find her online at getorganizedalready.com. That's getorganizedalready.com.
2: I got to get with, got to get with Nonis. Um, Is there a mess in your life that needs decluttering? Send us a note at at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. We might just have you on the show.
0: And if you like what you heard today, please give us a review and a rating and tell a friend. That helps us help more people.
2: How To's executive producer is Derek John. Joel Meyer is senior editor. Rosemary Belson, Kevin Bendis, and Jabari Butler produced the episode. Merritt Jacob is senior technical director. Charles Duhigg created the show.
0: And I'm Carvo Wallace.
2: I'm Courtney Martin. Thanks for listening. (laughs) And once they started talking about this topic, oh, my cat is causing noise. Hold on, guys. Let me let my cat out. Sorry. Who let the cat out?